You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. And if you're like me, you probably haven't been able to wash that sour taste out of your mouth from Sunday's loss to the Packers. But we need to have a short memory as it's time to shift our attention on another tough matchup as the Bears will be headed to Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady and the 5-1 Buccaneers. I'm Eros Wildewitt. Alongside me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And the two of us are ready to learn more about this Week 7 opponent, and I hope you are too. So to help us meet the Buccaneers, we have a very special guest this week as Carmen Vitali, who is the staff writer for the team. She is here to join us. And I know you have an other title as well, right, Carmen? Like you're pretty much like ahead of all digital content, it seems like. I don't have the you know the exact no, title in front of me, senior, but Yeah, senior coordinator of digital content. Um so that that you wear you wear a few hats, I feel like, in the organization, but we do have a phenomenal digital team. Um and I'm not in any way responsible for most of the stuff that goes on our website as far as and our social channels, but I uh, I work very closely with those that are. So and shout out and mad props to them because they're the best at what they do. Y'all won like an award last year, didn't you? Uh, yeah, we've actually had a couple of awards recently, especially with um, our series in the current. Uh, it's kind of a hard knocks type series that we've introduced and it has it's gone over really well. And um, there are a lot of people that, you know, put a, a lot of time and effort into that. And it's really cool to see it. And it really gives fans a really interesting look into the organization on a season by season basis. And now it's going in real time right now, which is kind of crazy. So we did a recap last year in the off se- of last year in the off season. But now you're getting kind of these week by week reveals of the season as it's happening, which is cool. Yeah, no, that sounds really neat. So if you want to check that out, Bears fans, you know, definitely feel free to do so this week. That might be a great way to continue meeting our opponent this week. But Carmen, thank you so much for hopping on. Uh, I know that, you know, Nick and I are both very much looking forward to this interview. And I want to preface this whole thing by making sure our listeners know, like, hey, you are a Chicago native uh, as well. So does this game like have like a different sort of meaning compared to maybe some of the others? Um, well, it's interesting because the Bucks have played the Bears almost every season I've been here. I think uh, it, all but one, actually. So I've either gotten to go uh, up to Soldier Field a couple of times now, or they've more frequently come down to Tampa Bay to visit me. I like to think that they're coming to visit me, and this isn't by scheduling luck or rotation. It's just because my hometown team and the team I grew up watching is coming to see me. Um, but yeah, no, it, it is, it's special to, you know, get to see that, you know, I've gotten my parents actually on the field before and my dad's standing there high-fiving all the Bears players <laughs> coming out of the tunnel like that. You're wearing a Buccaneers polo. I don't think they want to shake your hand right now. 
I don't know. I think your dad's doing it right. I don't care what logo's on that polo. Uh, you know, if you're a Bears fan, you have that opportunity. I'm glad uh, that he was able to kind of take advantage of that situation. Uh, but, Carmen, Nick and I just have a handful of questions kind of on both sides of the ball to kind of gain a better perspective of what type of challenge we're up against this week. And I know challenge is the perfect word because this Buccaneers team is pretty damn good, and they're going to pretty much challenge this Bears team in all phases. So we'll start with this Buccaneers here's offense and Nick do you have a question for Carmen to kind of just kick things off for us yeah Carmen I'm just curious what's it like watching Tom Brady actually operate in offense currently the the Bucks lead the league in passing yards and you know I'm just curious because the Bears at this point in time pretty much don't have an offense so what's it like watching Tom Brady operate in offense um it's different and I, honestly I've been with the team this is my sixth season with the team so I've seen some other scenarios that have happened um and there is there's an aura like kind of about him or just this sense of command that he has and I it was interesting to compare last year to this year because last year despite the fact that he didn't really I mean he self-admittedly didn't understand the playbook till halfway through the season um he still had command and he still had control over his troops uh, that's only, you know, become more apparent this year now that he has a full handle on the offense. And I think that that's why you're seeing this insane offensive production. Um, you know, through the first half of last year, he was kind of on a record pace for him as far as interceptions went and turnovers went. And that is a symptom of these Bruce, this Bruce Arians offense just because it does rely so much on some option routes for the quarterback to read a lot of things. It, it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on the quarterback um, and gives him a lot of freedom, though, in t- in turn. And now that Tom Brady knows and understands everything, I, I mean, I think that he's probably the best quarterback to take advantage of all that freedom and all the collaboration that Bruce allows. So it is. It's really cool to see him working with Byron Leftwich, our offensive coordinator, working with Bruce Arians as far as game planning goes. Um, and Tom is just—he's always working, even when the first team offense isn't on the field. Um, they are working, you know, he's working on with his offensive line and his running backs on run blocking schemes. He is taking, you know, one-on-one passes with Antonio Brown. He's working with his tight ends. Uh, the work literally never stops to the point where this man is at 44 years old running gassers after practice, uh, just for fun. And I've never seen anything like it before. So he is, he, his, his reputation precedes him, but it's all true. (laughs) You know, I'm 28 and I get winded, you know, by going up and down stairs a couple of times, yeah, maybe. And yeah, so he is definitely a different kind of person, uh, to say the least. Uh, so last year, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to come out with the victory. Uh, I know the big memory a lot of Bears fans have was that fourth down that Tom Brady thought was a third down. Exactly. You're already making like the four uh, as well. Do you think, you know, it's Nick Foles? Now. Yeah. <laughs> now. Nick Foles isn't playing, which seems to be, you know, Tom Brady's kryptonite. But regardless, do you expect Tom to enter this game with a little bit of like revenge factor in his mindset? Um, if there's one thing that I've also learned about Tom Brady is that he will find anything to take revenge upon or he will like this man. And I think it just kind of is something that all of the really great athletes do. You've seen Kobe do it. You saw Michael Jordan do it. Any little thing, any little slight, they just hang on to when you use it as fuel. And I have to imagine that there is somewhat of that going into this game just because, you know, Brady did have kind of like a slip up there as far as not knowing what down it was. And then the Bucks just that game in general was I mean, we talk about kind of the blemish on the Super Bowl season. It was that game because the Bucks were just so undisciplined 
Uh, but it proved to be a turning point because following the Bears game where they had over 100 yards, I believe, in penalties, um, they were one of the least penalized teams in the league following that. So it, it served as a wake-up call. Uh, I'm not going to go so far as to say it was a good thing that the Bear, that we lost, <laughs> the, the, the Bucks lost to the Bears. Um, but it was, it was a heartbreaker. I was in Soldier Field for that. And, you know, right up until the end. And that we weren't so used to seeing Tom at that point yet. Like that was only week four. So I was still right. getting used to this. And I was like, you know, you hear about these comebacks that he has. So you're like, all right, he's going to do it this time, right? Like he's Tom Brady. He's going to do it. Uh, and it didn't happen for that game. But uh, I was quickly reminded of how of his capabilities in that department throughout the rest of the season and even into the season. Now, next time you see time, you let him know Will DeWitt from the Chicago Audible says you're welcome uh, for that Super Bowl in advance. <laughs> no, but you mentioned uh, being undisciplined uh, early on last season. I think that's showing its head again so far this year. The Bucks are among the NFL's uh, most penalized team. I think they're the second most right now in the league, but they also have the most penalty yards called against them. Is that a real concern in that building right now to kind of get that cleaned up? So far, it hasn't had too much damage, but still, if you're trying to repeat what you were able to do a season ago, it's going to bite you sooner rather than later if you keep up that sort of pace. Well, and it did somewhat bite them in the Rams game uh, when they were on the road. So that, that that's already happened. And we actually heard Bruce Arians, he just said it today, um, asked about the focus of this team going into the Chicago game. You know, what's the biggest thing that the team needs to work on? And he basically said it is the penalties because these penalties are coming from fundamentals, some fun, from fundamental errors, like, you know, 95 yards on two defensive pass interference calls. Um, that's a big deal. And it's not, you can't gift offenses that much and expect, or to gift teams that much and expect to come out as the winner most of the time. And I mean, it's seven penalties at the end of the day, I think the last three games. Um, and, and that's just, that's not who this team is. Again, they pride themselves on how disciplined they can be and how disciplined they are. I think only two of, uh, of the seven from this last game in Philadelphia were pre-snap penalties. So like you cut down on those, but now, again, it's these defensive pass interference calls that are really biting you. And uh, I, I don't want to give this Bears offense any uh, any any more yards um, in any way, because if you can not give them yards, I don't know that they're going to get the yards for themselves. <laughs> so we certainly don't want to be a source of offensive yardage for the Chicago Bears. No, it, it hurts. It's true, uh, but it does hurt to hear. Uh, I, I know we talk, said uh, we'll talk about your offense first, but you mentioned you know the pass interference penalties as that's a big part of this. So I have to ask: it has to be due to all those injuries too in the back end of this defense, right? Both the cornerback and safety position. You guys have been in flux pretty much all year so far. Yeah, we really haven't fielded the same defensive backfield uh, week to week at all. And I mean, even in this game against Philadelphia, where. The Bucks actually allowed, I think, like one, their lowest passing yard total of the season for sure, and one of the lowest passing yard totals of any team in uh, in Week Six. It was still like you saw Richard Sherman go down in the first quarter, and then you're you're bringing these guys up, and I mean, some of these guys are guys that are literally on the scout team, or like throughout the week, and they're playing both ways at this point in practice, and it's like. Oh my gosh! How, how do you how do you account for that? And so, absolutely, some of the discipline uh, issues are just due to the fact that these guys are kind of clawing and and just trying to do whatever they can 
to stop teams passing on them. And especially because of the influx of passes that they do get, get against them. I mean, this is the number one run defense in the league. And so it's very, very hard to run. Uh, and our, actually, our defensive line coach brought up a really good point today um, that, you know, teams aren't necessarily going into games expecting to abandon the run. But with the offense as potent as it is, a lot of times they're playing from behind. And that also causes them to have to pass the ball a lot more. So the Bucks have actually faced the most passes of any team this year so far. So, again, that also kind of skews how, many, how much passing or how many passing yards they've given up because they're just they're facing 40 to 50 pass attempts every game, which is kind of insane. Uh, so then again, that gives way to more penalties in the passing game because you're just facing that many more. So law of averages would say you're going to get more penalties, I suppose, but that's no excuse. The Bucks don't want to beat the Bucks. So I guess I'll cross that question off my list about that stingy run defense because I had that almost verbatim is it just due to the fact that teams have to play catch up or keep up and either way that's tough to do if you're just consistently handing that ball off if you're you know behind two scores against Tom Brady I don't think giving it to running back is your best way to get back into the football game Uh, but you kind of said it but even though they're not being ran on a lot when teams do run the ball that's still pretty formidable run defense up front right Oh, I mean, and it, it is. It starts up front with the big guys up there, and, and that's something that they take pride in. They want to kind of crush your will to run the football, um, and we've heard that over, out of multiple players. And I thought they did a really good job, actually, last week against Jalen Hurts because, I mean, there were in the fourth quarter, uh, I think when they were expected that their pass defense out there, their pass defense set, and they were kind of expecting passes where Philadelphia saw an opportunity to run, and they got some rushing yards there. But as far as Jalen Hurts goes, I mean, especially in the beginning of the game, they kind of took away all uh, hope he had of design runs. Now, scrambles are another thing, and we know that's something Jalen Hurts does well. That's something that Justin Fields can do well. So scramble drills are scramble drills. There's not much you can do about that except lock down the guys in the backfield. But what they did was they basically were like, no, Jalen Hurts, you're not going to take a run. You're not going to run on us purposely, (laughs) essentially. And they did a really good job, I think, of shutting that down initially so that those plays were kind of thrown out the window by the second quarter. And uh, and all the rushing yards they got were really scramble drills from Jalen Hurts. And then again, that fourth quarter, uh, one there was one drive where they got kind of a lot that got them back into the game. But I know Chicago has a great run, run rushing offense. Uh, that's kind of their only offense, I should say, <laughs> at this point. So they're going to have to try. Um, but I mean, you got guys like Vita Vea, like you that can and Dominican Sue, Will Golston up front, and then you got linebackers. Now you do have Levante David out. Um, and he's, you know, kind of one of your biggest sideline to sideline guys as far as getting after running backs. But, uh, you guys, you got really big guys up front that don't want to let <laughs> any running back get out of the backfield. No, 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 they do not. Now, you know, Nick, uh, I was a poor coordinator here had a pretty good opening script but you know Carmen gave me some looks uh, that I wasn't expecting so I know we got off our game script so far but you can either get us back on track or really any question uh, that you have for Carmen feel free to just take it away yeah just have one last question about this Buccaneers offense and it may be really honestly Carmen a dumb one but is there any weaknesses on this Buccaneers offense or maybe a player an aspect of the offense that isn't quite playing as good as the rest of the unit, just so because we know the Bears offense is not going to be able to go toe to toe with this Buccaneers offense. But is there a unit, a player, anything that that is not playing up to par as the rest of the team? 
Uh, I would have kind of said that there was some opportunity there for the run game to get a little better. But uh, remember that work I think I was talking about with Tom Brady. Uh, he's been meeting with actually his offensive linemen and running backs every Friday for the last few weeks uh, to get this run game on track. And now the Bucks have gone over 100 yards on the ground last three games. Um, Leonard Fournette is really taking it upon himself to show that he can be uh, that guy in the backfield. And then when he gets tired, you've got a guy like Ronald Jones that you can bring in uh, with some fresh legs who can also move the rock. So uh, I don't know that I have any standout weaknesses with, with this offense, um, especially That's because what I was expecting. receivers that are healthy. OJ Howard is, you know, he came on a little bit in this last game with this is the first we really saw him get, and it was the first we saw him get in the end zone. Um, we're still waiting to hear on Rob Gronkowski, so you guys could get a break on that. We may not have Rob Gronkowski again, uh, but then we just have Cam Brate and, and O.J. Howard to contend with as far as those tight ends go. So, Such a deep team. Uh, it is, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches, and honestly, like that's the phrase that I keep using, the phrase that you keep hearing, but it's true. Um, the, you know, the talent on this team is just stacked, and we heard uh, Richard Sherman actually a couple weeks ago said to Leonard Fournette, looking across the line at the offense, he's like, I've I've never seen this much talent on one team. I've never been a part of this before. This is insane. And he's not wrong. No, <laughs> so. no, he's, he's really not. Oh, you mentioned, you know, Leonard Fournette. Is it just like a, a difference in mindset or is it kind of like Tom Brady where he needed a year to kind of get acclimated into this offense, learn the playbook? Uh, because last year I know he had 367 yards, six touchdowns in 13 games. And he already is coming off a game last week with over 120 total yards of offense and two touchdowns. It feels like he's finding his groove. Is it the Tom Brady effect? Is it just a change of like a mindset shift? What's the difference? Honestly, I think it's this offensive line, too. I really want to give these guys a lot of credit for just kind of their run blocking schemes and how much further they've come in this offense. And I do think that Tom has had a lot to do with that, bringing some concepts over again now that he understands what Bruce is trying to do, what Byron are trying to do. Both of those guys are trying to do with this offense. He can also put his own spin on it, and that's not something that you really saw last year. What what spin he did have last year was kind of necessitated because he was making up for the stuff that he didn't know about this offense. But now they're kind of marrying the two together. And I really think that that's paid dividends for the offensive line, for the running backs. Um, but again, I can't say enough about how much extra work this offensive line has put in in getting kind of that chemistry with their backs. Um, and again, it's cool to see that you have a couple really good running backs to switch out and switch off with. And you have Gio Bernard who comes in on the, in those third down situations. He's a really good natural pass catcher can run routes like a receiver. And that's not something the Bucks have had before. So that takes the pressure off of Leonard Fournette to have to try and do that. Um, so I think that just all those things coupled together and then Leonard being more, much more comfortable, you know, everyone kind of knows their roles a little bit more this year. Now, real quickly in wide receiver, again, a stacked offense, but you have three different wideouts on pace for an 1,100-yard season. The last time this has happened in the NFL is 1989. But what I've noticed over the last couple of weeks is that Tom Brady is, at least in my perspective, that's what I'm going to ask you about, is finding his go-to man, his number one target, and Antonio Brown, his favorite kind of receiver out there. Is that sort of your sense as well? Or I know they're going to spread the ball regardless, but it feels like when he needs to make a big play, he's looking for A.B. 
I mean, there's definitely something to that. But again, I think it's really just taking who's open and you have so many options. And again, Tom Brady wants to spread the ball around because that puts just an enormous amount of stress on defenses. But he does trust Antonio Brown a lot, but he trusts Mike Evans too. And he trusts Chris Godwin. I mean, we've seen all of these guys make really, really clutch plays. I have seen Mike Evans being used a little bit more um, or skewed a little bit more to the red zone. Uh, he's not, he doesn't really have the yardage totals and this is kind of how it was last year too, but he is getting some end zone work. He had two touchdowns in this last game, you know, and so it was one of those things where, um, or I'm sorry, in the Dolphins game, he he had two touchdowns, uh, and so did Antonio Brown. So I think it's one of those things where you kind of go to the big guy, uh, in the red zone because he's so hard to contend with, um, in that short, in those short yardage situations. And then you have a guy like Antonio Brown who can just get open. Um, and he's made a couple really good plays as of late as far as that were off script that weren't, you know, d- designed routes. It's just him having trust and, and built up this relationship with Tom where Tom can look for him and knows that he's going to find a way to get open. And so I think that that's what you're seeing as far as Antonio Brown getting down the field. And then, you know, if you don't get either of those guys, you got Chris Godwin. So. Yeah, you know, we don't have to keep, you know, going back to and hitting that thing. It's uh, definitely a deep offensive team in uh, and defense as well. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But before we kind of pick your brain a little bit more uh, about that Buccaneers defense, which we kind of teased a little bit earlier in the show, Nick, uh, you have a quick message for our listeners from our new sponsor, Owen. Yes, so if you're like me, going to the gym is a crucial part of my schedule. It's a place to let loose and just decompress. And after a great workout, It's important to give your body the amino acids it needs to repair and rebuild proteins. And that's why I drink Owen. That's right, Owen, which stands for only what you need. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein company, and all of their products are plant-based, free of artificial ingredients, and are allergen-friendly. Plus, Owen uses high-quality and carefully selected ingredients to make all of its products easily digestible, like their dark, dark chocolate protein shake that has 20 grams of protein, my personal favorite, And I first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who follows a plant-based diet. Get 20% off your first purchase with the code TCA20 at liveowen.com. That's 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. And remember to use the code TCA20. Join me and Justin Fields and try Owen. Only what you need. See, Nick, I was a little bit ahead of you. I was using Owen like 2019 when I was really going to the gym a lot before COVID hit. And like you said, it's really good Like for those that do have allergies. Like I have a sensitive stomach when it comes to like different proteins and that it, they do such a good job with it. It tastes delicious and it didn't give me any of those like stomach aches or pains uh, after the fact. So definitely uh, if you're like me as well and you have some of those issues, Owen is the place to go for your uh, post-workout needs. But Let's get back to business and let's get into this interview with Carmen yet again. And Nick, I'm actually going to hand it back over to you for a defensive question. Yeah, Carmen, I saw earlier that you said Lance Briggs was the player that made you fall in love with football. What did you like about Lance, how he played? And obviously we know that you, you know, are from Chicago, but like, what did you like about Lance Briggs? Uh, he was just so physical when he played. And I mean, I'm just one of those people that gets really excited when you can hear the hits. Uh, and, and just the way that he, he could just impose his will. I don't know. It was one of those things where I've always said that if I played football, I'd play middle linebacker. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the tandem between him and Erlacher was really just kind of one of those things where I, 
it was it's something that was very unique to that era i feel like of football in that era and it was something that chicago could take a lot of pride in i just didn't have a lot of offenses to look at (laughs) very true it hasn't changed philadelphia so it was it was between lance and then also watching donovan McNabb. though he was just so much fun to watch um as a quarterback in philadelphia so yeah, I really just – it was one of those things, though, where offense and, and, and Chicago Bears didn't really get along for the better part of my childhood. So I gravitated towards defense, and I just love the physicality that Lance played with. Yeah, no, that's a tremendous answer, uh, by the way, uh, because there's so many things about Lance Briggs, uh, what he meant to that defense for all those years, and I think the physicality is one that really encapsulates what he meant and really what he's remembered for here uh, in Chicago, one of my favorite Bears of all time as well. So that's tremendous, Nick. Uh, I didn't see that, so that's a good yeah. find uh, well, over there. He's the University of Arizona Wildcat, and I went to Arizona State, so that's how you know the love is real, is that yep. I still love him mm. even <laughs> there you go it uh that that is that's uh that's tremendous stuff there so uh we talked about some of those injuries on this defense but by and large you've been able to overcome uh like the offense is this a depth uh i guess positive sign for you guys that you do have depth or is this really todd bowles making the most uh, of what he has to work with here or maybe it's a blend of the two no, nah, it's the latter. Okay. Um, what Todd Bowles is so, so good at is fitting these puzzle pieces together and figuring out how to make it work week to week, uh, season to season. This is the guy that overhauls his defense every single year so that even this year where we returned all all the star, all Super Bowl starters on both sides of the ball, uh, this defense still looks drastically different, especially with the addition of the rookie Joe tryon Shoinka. He has been a very interesting piece. And, you know, JPP was out for a couple of games. And so you kind of had him kind of fill directly in for JPP. And you didn't see some of these more creative packages that we've seen when all when him and Shaq Barrett and JPP have all been healthy together. But when that happens, they will field all three of those guys. And it is a nightmare for opposing offensive linemen to figure out who to block between that and then think that you still have Vita Vea and Dominican Sue on the field. You've still got Devin White to contend with, and then you've got the defensive backfield. Jordan Whitehead hasn't really gotten the shine he deserves, but that's a man that can come downhill and talk about physicality. He runs right into people. So um, that's been the f- most fun part is to see what these guys can generate up front the confusion they can generate up front because that's in an effort to help the secondary. Absolutely. If you can get to the quarterback before you can even get rid of the ball uh, or at least hurry him up. We've had, we've forced a lot of quarterbacks to do some pretty incredible things. Even going back to that Miami game, Jacoby Brissett playing, you know, through injury or whatever. There was apparently a hamstring injury at some point during the game. Um, and he's making Patrick Mahomes like plays as he's being taken down to the field and trying to complete these passes. So that's what you want quarterbacks to have to do that. Um, and so that's been really just a focal point is what they can do with this defensive front and this front seven, especially, which I would pit up against anyone in the league. Yeah, no, they're going to try to make life difficult for Justin. Our, uh, every every sentence that you said, I felt a little bit more concerned because, I mean, Justin's been, you know, showing off his mobility. But I think, Nick, even we saw at times that he's a little slow to react to some of those pressures. And I think he's still adjusting to some of that game speed that, you know, some of these guys close off the edge a little bit quicker uh, than they did in the Big Ten. Uh, Nick, I'll hand it back over to you for another defensive question. 
Yeah, Carmen, you mentioned the the first-round draft pick, Joe Tryon, and, you know, I think he's had a little bit less of snaps these past two games, but what have you seen from him just in his first year, first couple games? It's incredible because he really doesn't play like a rookie. We've seen – so when all three of those outside linebackers are healthy, Joe seems to get about 25 to 30% of the defensive snaps. He had as many as 75 when JPP was out. Um, but you have like this guy that he is learning from two of the best as it is in Shaq Barrett and JPP, but he also internalizes things so quickly that he doesn't make the same mistake twice. I'll never forget in the preseason, he uh, was, he had got, he got a sack and it was called back for a penalty. One of those stupid roughing the passer penalties where it's like, what did you want him to do? Like defy the laws mm-hmm. of physics because yeah, all right, <laughs> he landed on the dude. Like, I don't know what you want. He rolled right off of him, but He changed his technique the very next week, and that's when he got his first NFL sack in the preseason. I believe it was against the Bengals. Um, And you you just never see him make the same mistake twice, and he is so cerebral. But the way that he uses his hands is probably the most impressive thing to me because it's something that was very improved coming into his first year in the NFL, even from college. You watch his college tape, and his hands do not look like they do now. So I don't know what he did in the year off that he took, during the COVID year, but he must have worked with some really special people because his hands are violent and they are intricate and they are, he just knows exactly what he's doing. And he's got such a good grasp of his role, not only his role, but the entire line's role uh, in what they're trying to do. And that's just not some like that recognition is not something you see out of rookies. And then you've also got his physical talents and his length and his bend. And he is just incredible coming off that edge. Uh, I just, the sky's the limit for this guy. I've really never seen anything like him before. Now, Carmen, I'm going to maybe pull from Nick here a bit. Uh, Like he asked you with the offense, is there a weakness in this defense? Is there something that you've seen offenses do against this unit, uh, whether it be consistently this season or maybe sporadically that, you know, you've known or you've seen that, you know, maybe the Bears can find success if they can do that? I mean, you're going to have to attack that secondary. And I do think that, you know, that's that's still in flux. Uh, We're going to see if Richard Sherman can come back. Uh, You know, you're still looking at Carlton Davis still looks like he's going to be out. Sean Murphy Bunting has not returned from IR yet. Uh, But you do have Jamel Dean kind of picking up some of the slack. He had four passes defensed this last game, plus the interception. So you can't count these guys out. And Ross Cockrell is really doing a lot better as far as coming into that nickel position. Uh, we've even had Pierre Desir, who is a veteran. He's not he's new to the Bucks, but he is a veteran in this league uh, coming in and even taking snaps there. So but I do think that there's there's some opportunity there. And I have seen a lot of offenses this year kind of death by a thousand cuts and, and try to get those short yardage because that's something this Bucks defense is like, all right, we'll give you the short yardage stuff because we're going to bet that you can't go 15, 17 play drives the entire game. That's not sustainable. Um, and that's not sustainable for, you know, offenses that are still trying to figure themselves out. So they're, they, they might give up kind of some of those underneath routes a little bit more, um, but they're really still going to make you work for it. And then comes, you know, inside the red zone, they're not going to give you much there either. And, and they're going to stand up. They're very much a bend, don't break defense. Uh, and it served them well. And, and at the end of the day, you know, they, they're allowing, they're not allowing a lot of points uh, each game. And that's kind of what matters. So while, you know, the passing defense stats will suggest that, you know, the Bucks are kind of obviously on the low end there. A, like I said before, they're just facing a tremendous amount of passes. But B, they don't really care about the yards. They care about the points on the board. 
and, and that has, you know, been kind of up to par recently. Yeah. And when you have, again, everything that we talked about on the other side of the ball, like good luck keeping up with right. what we can output on our off- offense too. Really good situation to be in. Uh, if I must say so myself, I won't, like I said, guys, I've been here six years. This is new to me. Like being able to talk about we're the ones with the target on our back. Like that's, that's still pretty foreign. And hey, you're giving me hope that one day it, it can potentially happen in Chicago. You're giving me, I want that for you guys. I really do. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Nick, any other questions on this side of the ball before I, I just have my two final questions to kind of wrap up the show is all I have left. Do you have anything else? You know, actually, Carmen, you kind of mentioned it. The, the Bucks do have a target on their back being Super Bowl champions. How do you think they've just handled that each and every week? Obviously their record reflects that they've done pretty well with that, but has there been, I don't know, like you said, there's a, an aura went with Tom Brady. Is there like a sense that these teams really want to try, try the hardest they can to beat the Buccaneers usually end up failing, but how do you think they've handled that and the record kind of reflects that though? Well, I think it's interesting because a big thing that they stressed in their Super Bowl season in 2020 was overcoming adversity. And that adversity came in the form of the COVID protocols and just how weird last year was, not to mention they were all put together very recently. And so they were all trying to mesh together. And so that's the kind of adversity they were facing then. But again, Tom kind of feeds off of adversity. He feeds off of that. And He's spread that belief to the entire team that the more you overcome together, the stronger you are. And so that's kind of what's happened this year is now that you're getting every team's best shot, these wins aren't coming easy. And it's kind of, you know, people, you know, I do the power rankings article every week and and people are still kind of, I mean, I think last week, even CBS had the bucks at six, like outside the top five. And it was like, yeah, okay. I get that, you know, they've had some struggles against teams that they should have handedly won against, but you are, you're getting every team's best shot and week in and week out. And, but what matters is that you're overcoming that adversity together. And I think that you're seeing that this team is just still gaining confidence in what they can do and figuring out their capabilities. Um, You know, I think that win over Miami a couple of weeks ago really made a huge difference as far as their confidence factor, because that was finally like what was expected of them. They they were expected to blow out the Miami Dolphins and they blew out the Miami Dolphins. So that was kind of another good kind of confidence booster going into the short week with the Eagles. And now, unfortunately, the Bears will get them on about 10 days rest. Yeah. uh, Back at home. So there will be, hopefully, again, that means also some of these guys that have been injured, uh, which has been another source of adversity so far this season, uh, will be able to come back. We'll see. Carmen, is there anything that Nick and I and our listeners need to know uh, that we haven't touched on yet already, you know, offense, defense, special teams, or otherwise that, you know, you think that we should kind of keep in our minds as we kind of lead into game day? Well, that's putting me on the spot. Um, (laughs) I'm not quite sure. But, I mean, like, so Bruce said it today. He really holds this Bears defense in very high regard, and, and they are not overlooking this challenge whatsoever. He called them, you know, top three, one of the top three defenses that they're going to face at, that, that in the league this year. Um, and so it's – that's one of – I mean, you're just going to have to play Chicago Bears football, and if you guys can find a way to run the ball against this defense – that'll serve you really well. Um, But obviously teams really haven't figured out that formula yet. Um, But it'd be interesting to see if the bears can do it uh, at the same time, or just go the box into a lot of uh, penalties. 
try doing that. <laughs> yeah, we had a ton uh, last week too. So if we both kind of keep that pace up, it could be a real long, ugly type of game. Uh, but Carmen, why do you think the Buccaneers will end up winning uh, on Sunday? Well, they're really just, I've just really never seen a team that is this talented, but also is so well equipped with the systems that they're in. Uh, this system has turned out, I, I, there were a lot of doubters, I think, when Tom Brady came here looking at Bruce Arians and his no risk it, no biscuit, you know, chuck, very vertical offense, stretch the field, chuck the ball downfield, take those deep shots. Um, at that point, people were doubting whether Brady could do that. And, and especially this offensive line, even could this offensive line hold up to allow him to do that because you need to let him hold the ball a little bit more. And not to mention read defenses and these these option routes and make sure that you know exactly where you're going with the football. But Tom's release is quicker this year. I think he's down to 2.56 seconds it takes him to get the ball out, um, It's which is a little bit less than last year. And it, it's due to the recognition. So it's not only that you have the talent, but you now have command of these systems that seem so just tailor-made to both sides of the ball and I mean that's very much by design on Todd Bowles's part he again like I said he fits his personnel every single season he overhauls his defense um but I think what we're finding out is that Tom Brady this old dog really does know some new tricks <laughs> and he is very well suited for how aggressive this Arians offense is and it's really really fun to watch now, Carmen, I hope you consider yourself a creative person uh, because my last question is, what would it oh, no. take for a Bears victory come Sunday? Uh, again, you may have to stretch that imagination just a little bit. Well, like I said, I think if they find a way to run the ball, again, like that kind of death by a thousand cuts type thing, if you keep to a screen game as well, get to the outside, you, you know, you just kind of keep dinking and dunking down the field. If you can find a way to do that with Justin Fields, uh, I, you know, and again, like Jalen Hurts had some scrambles, you know, it, Justin Fields can escape the pocket and escape pressure. Uh, I know the Bucks defense is really going to try to keep him contained as much as possible. So if he can break that contain uh, and make some things happen, I think that's your best shot. Um, but yeah, the, it, it's definitely going to be up to the defense to stop this offense mostly and give the Bears offense a fighting chance because I don't think the Bears offense is going to score 35 points. <laughs> No, we, no, we no. 20 is like our magic number. Like if we scored 20, we had a great day on offense, which is pathetic. <laughs> yeah. And I know it is. Uh, and, but it's, or, and the Bucks offense is averaging over 30 points a game. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate you not just, you know, giving me like, oh, it's going to take a miracle, Will. Like, that's it. Like, that's all. I, I tried. You tried, yeah. I tried. I, you I did a thinking the whole miracle thing, miracle mile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but you did a great job. And I just want to thank you again uh, just so much for your time here this evening. This was a lot of fun. And uh, I know I learned a lot. Uh, Nick as well. Uh, I know I'm speaking for you, man. And I know if we learn some stuff, our, our listeners do as well. Is there uh, any way that our f listeners can follow you throughout the week if they want to kind of keep their fingers on the pulse of the Buccaneers leading into game day? Yeah, I mean, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. It's the same handle, both places. Carmi V, C-A-R-M-I-E, V like Victor, or like Vitaly, like my last name. <laughs> Uh, I've got the Chicago Stars in my bio. I rep Chicago hard down here. That's my city. Always will be. Um, but this happens to be my team, and I'm happy about it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't blame you one bit. So thank you again. Uh, Nick, anything else you wanted to say before we wrap things up? 
No, I mean, I think Carmen did a fantastic job giving us the insight and being honest. Like, the Bears aren't winning. And she, Carmen didn't say that specifically. <laughs> Maybe things have happened, though. I will say that. There, there are crazier things, but I think we all know. <laughs> well, weirdly enough, uh, the next time you hear from us will be for our game preview episode. So I think you got some major spoilers about where Nick and I's picks are already kind of leaning. Uh, and unfortunately, Nick, I know I have to put you on top of our leaderboard uh, after you correctly I think, I chose. You did, which almost means you should just be like on the bottom forever. But Eliminated. Yeah, <laughs> not that far. Oh, you meant like on the leaderboard. Okay. Yes. <laughs> got it so uh, that's gonna do it for this episode of bears fans i hope you enjoyed this interview with carmen help us meet the buccaneers so again you'll hear from us thursday night as we go live for our game preview episode but until then bear down chicago bear down.